Hey everybody, welcome to the Spliff Podcast. I'm Bo Nellis, and this is episode 27, How to Pass Your Drug Test. Uh, but first, stoner moments. In the last episode, I was talking a little bit about Americans for Safe Access, Unity 16, and I mentioned that there was a speaker who had talked about uh, an herb for cancer fighting that I couldn't remember, and I did go back and listen to my recordings, and I believe the speaker's name is Roy Upton of the American Herbal Pharmacopoeia, uh, if I said that right, the AHP for sure. I definitely wrote down AHP. I don't know why I didn't write down the full thing other than that's what notes are for. And um, the herb that he was talking about was astragalus. So if you want to know more about that, I'm definitely going to have a link. Uh, just so you guys know, it might be a little bit noisier of a podcast. I definitely have the birdies outside doing their birdie chirping thing. I got my turtle all in a rile. Elephant neighbor is home with the toddler, baby elephant. So, uh, you might hear them knocking in every now and then. Um, uh, and then, uh, yeah, it's, it's later in the day. So maybe some traffic, I don't know, but I'm not going to stop. I'm going to get through this. Let's do it. I got to smoke on a lot of dabs today. I've been doing a lot of dabs. Probably why I'm a little riled up right now. Uh, but doing good things in general. Still just kind of coming down from the whole unity thing and getting back into the daily life. Uh, let's see here. So I guess that was my only stoner moment is my point if I'm just going to start rambling about the shit I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, no, let's get back to the CDC guideline for prescribing opioids for chronic pain, which says, hey, guys, really, there's no point in testing for cannabis. It's costly. It just really leads to doctors abandoning their patients who then turn towards, in fewer words, the black market and oftentimes heroin. And, uh, and that's not what we're here to do. So if it isn't actually going to interfere with their, their pain regiment, maybe rethink this. And I feel like this is kind of a direct thing to Kaiser, which in my personal experience has certainly been the biggest bully in, in when it comes to chronic pain programs and forcing patients to test over and over and over again for cannabis. Now, when it comes to chronic pain use, for those who aren't familiar, when you're being prescribed heavy painkillers on a regular basis. Oftentimes, you're going to be tested to make sure that you're actually taking those meds um, and that you're not taking other things that might throw off the program from what the doctors are prescribing, that you're not getting drugs on a black market that you're using. Uh, and cannabis, having been proven to reduce opioid need and to benefit therapeutic use in, in other places really has been a thorn in the chronic pain patient side because they rely on this plant to have a better quality of life. And on the other hand, their doctors, usually at Kaiser, are saying, if you pop for weed, we're going to have to drop you from this program. And weed doesn't 
treat everything, you still have debilitating issues that that you need addressed by a medical professional. And if that medical professional is no longer going to be able to assist you because you're using this thing that is also assisting you, you're caught in a catch-22. And finally, the CDC is addressing that. They don't specifically call out the heroin epidemic or the illegal Oxycontin market, but they they really have some charged language uh, for what it is in, in this guideline, and it's about fucking time. Bravo. Bravo. On that happy note, let's talk about how to pass a drug test. Now, in full disclosure, I have only ever attempted one drug test in the workplace, and this is mostly about pre-employment screening urine analysis, but I did pass it. So I'll definitely have that story. I don't have a whole lot of experience. I really, my best advice was uh, abstinence and not abstaining from smoking weed, though that's surely an option, but abstaining from applying for jobs that were drug testing. I didn't apply for safety-sensitive positions. I didn't apply for corporations that were Nazis about it. And that got me through most of life. Sure, I had to work some shitty waitressing and bartending jobs for a while. But you know what? In that time, I also got to work some amazing waitressing and bartending jobs. So it worked out. I made some good money, too. <sighs> that I spent usually on booze. Right back, right back on booze. Just put it right back in the bar. Uh, so when I did have to drug test, I was given plenty of leeway. I knew where the clinic would be. I was given the opportunity to pick the day and the hour within a reasonable amount of time. And that really played to my benefit. Now, since I had a few days to play with, uh, I did try to actually quit smoking weed. I think I made it like 18 hours. Uh, that was before the the cartridges and before I knew about lotions. This is, oh God, this is eight years ago, I want to say. Eight years ago sounds about right. Holy fuck, it's eight years ago. Anyway, so I had the position at the job as a temp for like two years or some shit like that. Maybe it wasn't two years, it was a year. And then they wanted to give me a permanent position. And then because, yeah, it was like eight years ago, you know, you're in an economic crash. I was really desperate for a job. I had had a really hard time finding a job before I got that super shitty one. And when I say super shitty, I mean like emotionally abusive, overworking, abusive, uh, there was blatant racism, just stupid shit like that. Not a really good environment for somebody of my high moral background and propensity to speak out. Uh, not not good, not a good mix there with uh, desperation. So <clears throat> desperately, I was like, all right, well, this is what we're going to do. I tried to find solutions on the internet. Thank God for the internet. Nothing still seemed to work. Really, abstinence seemed to be the only way to do it. Uh, and I suck at that. So if that's an option for you, don't smoke weed. Or a better option, in my opinion, is to don't apply for a job that needs a drug test. But if you find yourself in a sticky situation where you can't give up the sticky icky, 
I got a couple solutions for that too. Maybe one of them will work for you. All right, so we're going to go over some basics. First, like I mentioned, this is mostly about a urine test, uh, or urine analysis, or a piss test, or a pee test, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but there are other tests. There's a blood test, there are follicle tests, and there are saliva tests. Now, there are good things and bad things about all of them. The blood test has a shorter window, so if you do happen to abstain for a couple of days or aren't a chronic smoker, a blood test could actually be your best option as long as you can go a couple of days without smoking weed or even a couple hours, I think, is the uh, the test for the blood. However, that's still not fail-proof. If you're someone like me who's more of a chronic user, also with a higher fat content, uh, body fat content, that is, there are some issues, and I'll go into that in a little bit. And there's the saliva test, which can really only pop you if they've basically rolled up on you smoking weed and can already eyewitness you. And there's a little bit longer of a window than that, but it's a very short couple of hours. And then the follicle test, which used to be touted as one of the most reliable. And I want to say within the past couple of months, there were some tests to totally debunk its reliability. So that was really exciting to see. And I don't know that follicle testing is going to hold up as well as it used to. Um, urine analysis continues to be the most commonplace and commonly used drug test, uh, either by people who are looking for employees or parents who are trying to keep their children drug free, um, or, uh, politicians who are idiots and want to screen welfare applicants. Now, the more notice that you have, the better you can prepare yourself. So, a pre-employment screening, if you know you're going for a job, is pretty good warning. Knowing that you're going for a job and applying for a job should make you begin to think about potentially having to get through a drug test because most places will tell you there's going to be a drug test or the possibility of a drug test when you apply. Most places don't just pop that on you. You're usually going to know. I don't know of anybody who didn't know because the company hid it from them. Usually it was because they weren't paying attention. So the sooner you know, the better. And now in safety sensitive positions like pilots and first responders, things like that, if you are in a position that you could be killing a lot of other people, if you aren't on your game, you can be randomly drug tested. And a lot of other companies will do this too. But again, you sign in the employee handbook that you consent to random drug testing. So just pay attention and you'll know whether or not you might be randomly drug tested. If you are randomly drug tested, uh, usually you don't have much warning. And if you are drug tested because of an accident in the workplace, good luck to you. You're not going to have any warning. It's pretty much have an accident and you're either going to go to the doctor where they're going to drug test you or you're going to your drug test at the doctor's. So 
this is mostly good for people with a little bit of warning. Now, I've already talked about abstinence as the most reliable way, but there are some theoretical ways that you could also continue to use cannabis in your life, especially as medicine, and not theoretically fail the drug test. One of those is through pure CBD use without any THC to metabolize into the metabolites that they're actually looking for. Oh, I should go back to that too before I even talk about theoretical applications. When they're testing, there are only certain things that they can test for, generally speaking, especially for pre-employment urine analysis. Now, if you are on parole or uh, have certain special circumstances where you have already consented to random urine analysis for certain things, again, like if you're in a program for chronic pain prescriptions, then you could be tested for a bunch of random different drugs that might interfere with your specific program. However, still... Usually, you have to be notified of what they are testing for. And they aren't testing for THC. They're testing for the metabolite that your liver makes. Which metabolite specifically? I probably should have looked up before I hit the record button, and I meant to, but I'm on a time crunch. So hopefully I'll find that in the next stoner moment. Um, And I try to look up some of the metabolite stuff anyway. You've got that THC, blah, 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 11 thing that uh, was going on. And it's probably that. But I know that there's more than one metabolic cycle that cannabinoids can go through. So I really just I have more questions before I can give you a whole lot of answers or feel comfortable having answers, I guess. Anyway, moving on. So obtaining that information beforehand can really ease a lot of anxiety that you might be feeling about the process. Uh, you know, it, it means that they can't uh, test for things like sex. So if you are using fake urine or somebody else's urine, which is my other suggestion, then it doesn't matter who it comes from because they can't test for sex. Testing for genetic information out of urine anyway is like crazy expensive and not really worth the investment for most employment situations. So like, don't even worry about that. That being said, there are some things that they are testing for, things like temperature, clarity, and the basic construction of urine. So those are things that you need to remember if you're going to be cheating. It needs to be about body temperature. You don't want it too diluted because that looks like cheating. You need to have a certain amount of creatine in it. Uh, You don't want to have a bunch of added bullshit to it either. You don't want to be putting vinegar and bleach or added creatine into it either. Again, these are metabolites that they're looking for. So you can create a synthetic urine. It can be costly. It can be hard to find. And it can be hard to get to the right temperature. Um, But you can absolutely make it. Also, you can just use the urine from somebody who doesn't smoke. I happen to be 
attached with a partner who does not uh, use cannabis, like, at all. I have to get him and be like, are you sure you don't want some pot lotion? You could put some pot lotion on it. And then he gives in. But he doesn't imbibe cannabis whatsoever. And I still haven't done the home testing, which we're going to talk about home testing a little bit. But to see if the topical is getting into his bloodstream, but he's never reported being high. So topical use is another theoretical application of cannabis without disrupting uh, your abilities to pass a drug test. That doesn't make it fail proof, but theoretically it's pretty sound. And if you want to know more about topical application, definitely check out my topical episode. All right. So, but all this goes back to the fact that If they are testing for weed, they have to tell you. And if they aren't testing for weed, it won't be on the list of things that they're testing for. So you can totally let that anxiety go anyway. And if you want to learn how to pass drug tests for other drugs, that's what the internet is for, though your your chances are a lot better for everything except for cannabis. When it comes to cannabis being stored in your body... There are a lot of factors involved, and there are two major ones, your metabolism and your body fat content. Now, the slower your metabolism and the higher your body fat content are, the more likely you are to store cannabinoids in your system for a longer period of time. Without going into too much detail, when you imbibe cannabis, it gets metabolized through your liver, through the bloodstream either the bloodstream first or the liver first, depending on how you are ingesting or imbibing your or or inspiring your cannabis. And then it either gets flushed out into your urine through the kidneys or it gets stored in your body via your body fat. Now, there are different ways that your body can store body fat in your body. Uh, Men store fat usually around their internal organs, whereas women usually store fat on the outer portion of their body. And those differences, along with your personal metabolism, can make a difference in whether or not you will pass a drug test if you actually use your own pee and abstain for a while, a while being a few days to a few weeks to potentially a few months. I know somebody like me who is definitely in a higher body fat content, but who wears it well uh, and is a very, 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 very chronic smoker. It's going to take me forever to pass a drug test, like seriously forever. I mean, when I take a home test, it's like automatically fail. Like I I can wave the urine over the drug test and those purple lines of failure appear. Just just breathe the urine over it. And it's like, you bitch, what do you think? Seriously, go smoke a bong load. Fuck. And um, so if you're like me, fucked, just use somebody else's pee. If you are somebody who is leaner uh, with a lower body fat percentage, and men are definitely going to tend to beat women on this scale, a lot more men are going to be able to pass a piss test more easily than women will be by using their own urine, uh, simply because they don't store their body fat as much. They, They tend to have a higher metabolism and a leaner body mass index just 
statistically, genetically, but not always. I know that there are some brothers out there that feel my pain too. Uh, And there are some women out there with a leaner body mass index who will also be able to do this. So we're just going to move on. Know your body, know your struggle, know your strengths, and, uh, and play your cards appropriately from there. So if you're like me and you have to use somebody else's pee in order to do it, remember those things. You need to have fresh urine because they're going to be testing for the temperature and they're going to be testing for certain metabolites to make sure that it is fresh. You can't pull out somebody's urine from four days ago out of the fridge and then show up, put it in the cup and expect it to pass. That is not going to work. You probably don't want to use urine that's any older than two hours And that might even be pushing it. But I think I can, I think we can say two hours. In my personal experience, I think it took about 45 minutes. It was about 20 minutes to get to the clinic from my house. Um, I had my boyfriend fill a container that I got from Rite Aid. It was one of those little like shampoo containers, very rigid. And, uh, I I had a plan that I was just going to strap it under the boobies because I have some pretty ample cleavage. And so I was going to strap it under the boobies and then put one of those heating pads for for your back muscles uh, along the outer side of the container in order to keep it warm all around. And that's what it did. It was really uncomfortable. I didn't have a sports bra. I tried to wear a baggy shirt, but I still just felt really bulky and uncomfortable and obvious. So before I actually got to the clinic, I took the container and I went to McDonald's in the restroom and I put it into Mother Nature's pocket, the vagina. And I felt a little bit better about that, though I felt really uncomfortable just like existing in general, very bow-legged. Um... I just take short steps. These people don't know who I am. They don't need to know that I normally have a long stride. I could just just chill. I think it was on a Saturday that I went anyway. You know, I had a big sweatshirt on. I looked laid back, just walk really slowly and breathe. Um, I've had a baby, so, you know, I mean, not to say that, like, I can throw anything at my vagina, um, but, you know... I know that it certainly has skills and and that is not a little a little lotion container is not its a limit. So you just breathe through that. If you don't happen to be blessed with a pocket from Mother Nature, maybe you've got a, a little bit more testicular thing going on down there. Uh, a rigid container might not be your best option. I know that a glove or condom is often uh, preferred by the male persuasion and you can just tuck it under the ball sack with that same idea of the the boobage that your body temperature is keeping it at an appropriate temperature for the test. And if you want to throw one of those heat sacks against it, I don't really recommend it with your little swimmers and stuff that might keep it too warm, but that's your body and you may need to supplement or not supplement based on your own personal needs. Um, when you actually go into the, uh, the bathroom, this is another thing that knowing whether or not you're going to have a supervised 
urine analysis or an unsupervised one really comes in handy. If you're on parole, uh, you're going to be having a supervised test. And if it's just a a regular run-of-the-mill pre-employment screening, you generally get to go into a bathroom where you at least have a stall with some privacy. And at this point, things get fun. You're going to bring your urine out into the light from wherever you may have tucked it away. Now, if you do have a condom, you're going to want something with which to actually tear it open that isn't going to rip it open. So I think like nail clippers are a really great option. A lot of places you have to leave your purse or dump your pockets before you go into the restroom. So be prepared for that as well. If you think that might be an issue for you, tuck things away uh, that you might need for later. I know in my case, the, the shampoo container that I had used made a really great stream sound. So if you maybe have somebody listening at the door, that's another way that they can supervise without supervising, uh, and, and look for, for cheaters. If they don't actually hear you peeing into the cup, you know, maybe they really don't, but it made me feel better. I know that it actually sounded like I was peeing into the cup, but I had to watch that gurgle at the end. You know how you have like liquid in a bottle and it's all, I get that bubble at the end. You, you, you want to watch for that. Don't, that's not a natural sound. (laughs) Maybe it could be, I don't know. So, but anyway, so then I was done. I made sure to rinse the container out uh, and off as well as my hands when I washed my hands. And then the container goes back into that nature's pocket. Thank you, Broad City. I love that. And that's another thing that you want to watch out for. If you bring something in, what are you leaving behind? Because if you do bring that condom in, make sure that you wrap it in a paper towel and take it out with you. I would take it out with me. I wouldn't even bother leaving it in the trash can because they might find it there and that that would constitute cheating. It, it really depends on the circumstances of your drug test, uh, the kind of scrutiny that you're going to be under. But if you bring something in, my suggestion is to take it out. So back goes the container and then you just bring them the, uh, the pee. You, again, like if it's, if it's in my body, I, it was totally safe to say that it is being kept body temperature. And if it's on the outside of your body, again, make sure that maybe you're, you're making it, uh, sh- make sure that it's shaken up or something, uh, so that you're getting an even rotation of that heat that's against your body side and not against your body side so that it doesn't cool too quickly. Um, but definitely watch that temperature. Uh, and, uh, especially if maybe you made it or bought a synthetic urine, uh, microwaving it. I've never heard anybody say that nuking their pee destroyed it in any way oftentimes that that's a really great way to bring it up to temperature and then again those heat packs are a great way to keep it at temperature maybe you need something more natural like cherry pits uh, a cherry pit pack that just seems bulky in my opinion the really flat uh, the flat packs for the body heat those just make the most sense to me they're sticky so you can put them against your clothing if you want they just uh yeah they're my favorite option. 
But there are other options out there. There are cleansers and detoxers, magic tonics that people talk about all the time. You know, somebody who totally used something that was a miracle and they passed. And again, you have to look at people's body types, their metabolism, um, certain certain cleansers and detoxers or cover-ups might destroy or cover up cannabinoid metabolites, but it's going to depend on how they work with your particular body on whether or not they might register uh, in, in that test. So they certainly aren't ridding your body of cannabinoids more than likely. They aren't really detoxing you because of the way that you store it. It can be so deep in your body within that body fat, that there's just no way that you can cleanse all of your body fat from anything. Trust me. And if you do, it's probably a really gnarly drug and uh, is only available in Europe. So there are a couple other tricks that uh, I can give to you because it is stored in body fat. One of the things that you can do is, depending on how much time you have, Exercise a bunch and do a lot of detoxing. And then a few days before the test, you stop exercising completely. You stop detoxing completely and you just pack on fat. You just pack on fat. Um, the the exercising helps get rid of that top layer of fat and, and helps burn that off. When you burn fat into your system that is cannabinoid rich, you actually give your body a little boost of cannabinoids. It's it's like a, a completely different type of high, like an edible high meets a vape high, but not super high, just kind of like an endorphin level high. And it's pretty groovy, but this is going to change for everybody. It's kind of like a runner's high type deal where it really depends on your personal body and your own limits on when it's going to release and, and tapping into the right source, the right fat source. But getting that fat content into your bloodstream is what brings that second round of metabolism into play. And that's really the key to passing a drug test if you have to do it, is maintaining the cholesterol in your blood. Now, when you exercise a bunch and detox that that first level of fat and then stop all that and then pack fat on, the idea is that the fat or the cholesterol that is going to be in your bloodstream and therefore metabolizing into your urine within that time isn't going to be cannabinoid rich because you will have been abstaining during this entire time. This is not the way to do it if you want to keep smoking. The only way to do it if you want to keep smoking is to use somebody else's or a synthetic urine. That's the only way that I I can tell you to do it. Cheat. Uh, now, if you're abstaining, that's one way to do it. It's totally going to depend on your personal metabolism, your personal cholesterol, you know, so adding a really low cholesterol things right before the test so that you don't even have very much uh, fat in your blood to be metabolizing and and being excreted into your urine is a good way to do it. Eating fiber-rich breakfasts beforehand, things like that. Um, all those detox pills nice and 
And normally I'd suggest cranberry just because I think it's a good thing to, to have people do, but you don't even need to do that. Like cranberry, all of those things, nothing's guaranteed. Nothing's really guaranteed. Working with your body is the only thing that's going to guarantee anything. And even then, if you're smoking, you'll probably fail. So it's always good to have buddies who don't smoke that you're really comfortable with. And don't mind sharing a little bodily fluid. Bodily fluid. Oh, yeah. If you want to check and see if your system of abstaining is working, get yourself a home test. They're pretty cheap nowadays, all things considering that they used to be very expensive. Um, and, And they're pretty reliable. They're pretty reliable. I would say if you can clear a home test, you have a pretty good chance of passing a lab test. But if you can't clear a home test, you are definitely going to fail a lab test. And that's kind of where I was at by the end. I could not, I couldn't abstain. And then the little bit of time that I was trying to abstain, I don't know, maybe I gave it a week or something like that and, and tried stuff. Again, I just wave my my pee over the wand and, and it was like, eh. you fail. I hope one day this podcast is rendered irrelevant because these kinds of concerns aren't an issue. Until then, thanks CDC for suggesting that doctors care more about their patients than about some stupid failed drug war. If you want to know more about that, uh, Marijuana Today had a really good segment in their last podcast. I want to say Commerce Clausing. Uh, Funny play on the Commerce Clause issues that also came out. Uh, and, And then I'll also have an article in my blog, of course. You can find lots of articles for all of my podcasts, as well as all of my other podcasts at thespliffpodcast.com. That's two F's in spliff and two T's in podcast, no D. And you can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, I'm on SoundCloud. You can call me at 209-86-SPLIFF. Uh, and I'm taking questions. If you have any questions for me, uh, spit them out. I hope you found this useful. Uh, maybe you understand the way cannabis works a little bit better. I'm really interested in the metabolic cycles of cannabis because I feel in my experimenting that I have at least four cycles before cannabis is either excreted or stored in my body and knowing the difference between those metabolites just uh, uh I can't wait to understand it more and and how my body maybe taps back into those fat sources when I'm exercising and and maybe influences my yoga time and my meditation and things like that and I have to say after a year and a half uh plus or minus a little bit of doing yoga my anxiety levels in the meditation have really, really worked. Uh, the meditation is definitely lowering my anxiety and my ability to process things a lot. So I'm pretty stoked on that. And I know that the cannabis just helps in a lot of ways when I use it correctly. So 
I'm absolutely 100% for helping people continue to medicate and stay employed, gainful, contributing citizens to this world. Just don't fuck it up, all right? If you failed a drug test, your chances of fighting it are pretty slim. If you illegitimately want to argue a failed drug test, you have a pretty shitty chance. I once had to to write the letters for a company that I was working that stupid shitty fucking job again. It was the irony was not lost on me that shortly after cheating on my drug test and getting gainful employment that was turned around and one of my first uh, uh, task at hand was to help deny unemployment benefits to an employee that had failed a drug test uh, a few weeks after actually doing some work for the company, which was a shitty, stupid thing for the company to have done. And if they didn't have somebody like me arguing on their side, they probably would have lost. Sorry, dude. I'm sorry. So just have somebody else pee for you. Don't even fucking try it. Like... It's hard to, hard to argue this from a bunch of different perspectives. Anyways, no time to safety this time, you guys. Uh, next time, I definitely want to talk about the vaporizer that I got. So we'll bust that out next time. Ciao for now. Thanks for spliffing it. It's so funny when my friends come up and talk to me and and they want to fan out a little bit and I could, don't get me wrong like I'm the biggest groupie of them all honestly like there have been plenty of bands where I'm totally fanning out on them and they look at me like I am super freaked out right now and there's no way that I can stop I cannot stop the fan girl in me but it's so cute when my friends do it too what's up Johnny Thank you for subscribing. If you want to, go ahead and rate and review. And if you want to be cool like my friend Johnny, you can also subscribe in iTunes. You just automatically get my podcast every time that I download it, or I should say upload it into a blog. And you can also, if you're not into the iTunes thing, find me in any other application and still subscribe in the same way. Or you can subscribe to my RSS feed and you'll be notified via email. I think it's the way it works. Anytime that I post a blog, which is also a podcast. So go for it. And if you want to rate and review on iTunes, it's mucho appreciated. Thank you, Stony Scott. My first official five-star review with a description. It really does a lot to help other people find my podcast and iTunes and get the information out there. And it's also very much appreciated by me. <laughs> the kind words. They're really big ego inflators. And um, I like it. I like it a lot. Thanks, you guys. <laughs>